0: Hi, I'm Allison and I'm Taylor, and we're the hosts of the Anxiety Chicks podcast, where we dive deep into the reality of anxiety, nutrition and mental health.
1: Listen as we explore all things anxiety healing while keeping it real, including our own struggles with mental health.
0: We'll bring our expertise as healing professionals to the conversation while discussing the tools and strategies you need to heal the anxious mind.
1: Listen to the Anxiety Chicks on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Anxiety Chicks podcast. I'm Allison Sepinera, And I'm Taylor. We're so excited to be back here again this week um sorry you know i wasn't able to be with you guys last week i hope you didn't miss me too much but the episode was so amazing we got such good feedback taylor thanks for holding down the fort there <laughs>
1: oh, she, she was awesome i mean at some point yeah. i was just like like she was just spewing science and i was like whoa, 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 whoa. can i have you for like an extra hour <laughs> oh my god was totally like, it was like so much information i was like one more hour like can we like talk soon <laughs>
0: No, I know and she is and her she has so much knowledge like on her pages yes too. um so that was such a great episode if you haven't listened to it definitely go back and it was our hundredth episode which was so cool and so meaningful we wanted to to do something like nice and special for it and then we were just like um <laughs> okay we'll just leave it It's a really good episode so <sighs> congratulations to us. <laughs> on this 101 yes. episode For getting here um, So thank you guys so much for that Um, We also just wanted to say Thank you for all the new amazing reviews From everybody Again if you feel like you're really enjoying this podcast And you want to Kind of make sure that you Raise more awareness for mental health and anxiety Leave us a five star review Um, It'd be so So meaningful And also it really helps us push the word of our podcast out there to get um, into the ears of more listeners. And so um, just, you know, suggest any episodes. I know like some of the episodes that actually people have been saying, I love this because people have been DMing me and DMing us saying that, oh my gosh, I just listened to your episode on like death anxiety, or I listened to your episode on like fear of flying. And those were like some of our actual real first like two years ago episodes or like a year and a half ago and people are just listening to them and I love it so I think there's people that are just starting to find us um, which is awesome and so I think that's because of all of you guys who have left us some reviews so that really just means a lot if you could do that so thank you I love you but anyway, so before we get into our Q&A episode for the month, we have some really good questions. Taylor and I were just having this huge conversation. This always happens before we first record. I'm <laughs> like, no, this is like we have to record this. So we just wanted to kind of update everybody on um, a couple things because I feel like it'll totally relate. So um, what did you want to share first, Taylor? Because you you were the one that was like, OK, no, we're going to talk about this a little bit. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Which one do you want to talk
1: about? But OK, so. First Just of like all, short, everybody yeah. who checked in on my husband, thank you so much. It was a very scary week, especially like Allison. I don't know if you saw, but we're nothing like Philadelphia. And when we get any bit of ice, the whole yeah. world shuts down and uh-huh. it's ice skating rinks because we don't pre-treat our streets and we don't have snow machines <laughs> or whatever. Um, so we we literally had to drive to the ER Uh uh, on this ice and i literally told my husband i was like well i mean if we get in a wreck at least you'll get an ekg pretty fast and he was like taylor this is not the thing
0: about humor and i was like oh my gosh <laughs> i was well, like i gotta cope i'm coping okay <laughs> i did i i did see a couple instagram um posts and stuff about how i guess a lot of people in your area were getting like made fun of from the East coast because it's like, Oh my gosh, you guys know we get like three feet of snow sometimes, but I don't think people understand that it's not about, it's not about like the amount that you got, you guys don't have preparedness. Like yeah. you don't. And when I can't even imagine if no one salted our streets or like had street plow, like plows, we have them ready like three days in advance when we know we're getting a, a snowstorm. Oh, wow. um, but like you guys don't, there's nothing that you guys do. I
1: don't understand. Uh, I think that. they like slightly salt. We're able to salt some of the highways, but like you can't. We don't have enough resources to go into neighborhoods. Like pulling out of your driveway is literally an ice skating rink. And yeah. The Other thing is, you guys get snow. We got like straight, just freezing ice. Yeah. It was no. at one point freezing yeah. outside and also raining.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean was we like, get a too, so but like <laughs> we do get that too. And it's a little bit more dangerous, but even then it's really not that bad. Like it's, it's like we, we can survive, like maybe there's a day or two, but we're totally fine. And also you're right about the resources because they sell, I mean, everybody I know has in their garage has like three barrels of iced, I mean, of, um, What's the the salt to put on their wow. steps? Oh yeah, we we own it. Like I have salt. I had salt in my in my you know storage room for last year. Like we huh. just have that stuff because yeah. of, we know we're gonna get snow. So you guys probably don't even have that stuff in your. I don't house. even know where you'd buy that. Right. <laughs> I don't even know right. if they sell it at the store. So you wouldn't uh, even right. Yeah, and so and most people
1: here. I mean, this might really freak you out, but they don't even have like four wheel drive uh,
0: cars. So crazy to me. That is literally so so crazy to me.
1: During these snow things, you'll see these people out there in their two wheel drive cars. You're just like, "What are you doing?" Like, luckily we have a four
0: wheel drive car, but it's just like, "Okay, (laughs) I don't want to be next to you." Well, it's so it's so crazy because just growing up here, I'm now it's shopping for a new car, and I will never get a two wheel drive car. No, I would, I would, I bet they don't sell there. I mean, I was just like, "What? No." Um, but anyway, so why don't you tell tell everyone a little bit about why you guys were going to the ER? Oh yeah. So
1: everybody kind of knew the story. I think I talked about it on here before when my husband just like had like a little like heart episode, and then we went to the cardiologist, whatever, and they couldn't find anything. And that's because um, he's dealing with AFib, which we he is very very young to have it. Um, the good news we did find out, and it's funny, this shows how like Googling is so bad because when you Google AFib, it's very, very, very bad. It's like, oh, oh this God. is going to happen and this is going to happen. But then <laughs> when you speak to the cardiologist and he's 27 years old and they're like, "You're," let's go through your stroke risk factor because that's where it's like really bad is when is the thought of like him having a stroke. Yeah. And then the guy went through all of the questions and he was like, your risk is a zero. He was like, so technically like you having AFib isn't bad.
0: It's yeah. scary,
1: but it's not right. bad. And and I go, I was telling the guy, I was like, that's so like crazy you're saying that because I look on Google and it's just like he's gonna die. And I go, that's where I get in trouble for Googling, Dr. you know. Google. And so right. And so it's more so like if you're like 80 with AFib, you know, because like older age and yes, you know, overweight and stuff. And so um that was like good news and reassuring because we leave Thursday for a flight, and I'm literally looking at this doctor and I'm like are you sure we could go? And in my head, I'm like giving him the eyes, like, please say no, please say no. Cause you know, my husband, he's fearless. He'll get on that plane. If it was me, heck no. Would I be on that plane? this Thursday? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, I know. Even if He
1: told me I'm fine. It's just like, I'm not getting on that plane. Uh, but I'm more now anxious because it's like, I don't want anything to happen. And then like, I'm the, I don't know. I just, I, I'm the type that like in medical emergencies, I freeze. Oh my I gosh! Think, I, I don't. I really too.
0: know. I'm. I'm like not good <sighs> at situations at all. <laughs> oh like, my gosh! Well, I. I'm then, so curious too. How AFib even happens? Like, is it just something that everyone has, like an irregular kind of heart something when they're born, and it just gets worse? Or like, I don't even know. There are some people who just live in AFib, and
1: they they don't even know. Oh and it's not God. bad, right? It's not a bad That's thing. So interesting. But if you okay. go, if you get a, if you get a yearly physical. And they listen to your heart, you right will know they'll know that. Okay. Um, yeah, they would send you right away. And um, with him, they don't know yet. He's doing the holter monitor. He did find out some genetic thing that a couple people in his family have. Of some arrhythmia so that could play a part um so we don't really know yet but he's on a holter monitor luckily i mean i feel a little more safe going because he has this oops he has this holter monitor that um is like live reading and so if anything goes weird i guess they would call him but that's also anxiety provoking to me because i'm like oh my gosh if we get a phone call and we're so so you guys know we're leaving thursday for super bowl weekend and
0: I'm just like mm-hmm.
1: can loud music do anything?
0: Right. Like, <laughs> like you're out <at> of <laughs> sports event. <laughs> like he's gonna be like cheering no. and watching a game that's gonna oh. you know so. and they're yeah. just like he's fine, you know, it's fine. Yeah. And
1: and no, this this doctor was very confident. And see, that's where sometimes we have to like stop Googling
0: because this um, doctor yes. was just- Yes. Not not sometimes. <laughs> not sometimes, every time. Don't do it. Let's just do- stop
1: uh it was funny though because i was asking all these questions to this doctor and he was just like so laid back about the situation and so chill he was like i literally deal with 70 and 80 year old patients every single day you are the least of my concerns he was like, like God, good. That's, that's good i don't know that, that doctor sounds good Wait, did you like the doctor it was a li- little egotistic but whatever oh really <laughs> he kept, he kept okay. referencing his website about exercise and nutrition and i'm like dude i'm a dietitian. first of all you're a cardiologist but i'm not gonna fight you <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're Hello? like okay i will go look on that okay he, he sure. kept
1: referencing his website i'm like dude
0: but whatever oh, nice guy
1: got it all handled we got good news That's all that matters good. And it Helps. it helps you know to know that We shouldn't always Google and jump to the worst case scenario because a lot of times, nine times out of 10, it's not the worst case scenario and you're going to be okay. Yeah. And he said, like, if you take care of yourself and you're healthy, AFib isn't a problem, which I
0: thought was crazy. I didn't know that. I know. That's why it's interesting. That's why I asked you that because I was just like, does it come from somewhere? Do people just live with it? Like, is it the same thing as a heart murmur?
1: Uh, no. no, so there's different okay. types of arrhythmias, which we have a question here. I'll just jump into this question that, Okay. Um- because today's yeah, our Q&A episode. Um, so it. somebody asked, what is a PVC? Scared to Google and find out. So I know so much about this because that was like one of the biggest symptoms I struggled with when I my health anxiety was super bad. Mm-hmm. I would just get these really odd heart palpitations that basically feel like your heart stops for a second and then a really hard bang in your chest. And it kind of takes your breath away a little bit, but it was just like one beat. But it could oh. be like every couple of beats. Okay, but it's just like one beat. Whereas, like what he was dealing with was kind of just like he felt uncomfortable the whole time. Mm-hmm. So that's okay. kind of what the cardiologist said. The cardiologist was like, "Yeah, like AFIB's not going to do anything to you because of your risk factors, but it's uncomfy for you, and we don't want you to be uncomfortable." Do you know what I mean? So it's like right. more of like about um, comfort to the patient. However, so PVCs, PVCs are preventricular contractions. This is what. Most likely, if you have been to a cardiologist and they've put a EKG or Holter on you and you have anxiety and you experience these palpitations is what you're feeling. Mm -hmm. They're very, very common. My cardiologist said there's probably not a single person in this earth who hasn't had a PVC. Some people feel them more than others. Some people don't. Oh, wow. Yeah. So almost everybody has had a PVC. You just haven't caught it. Or you're not not hyper-focused on your heart. So when you're so hyper-focused on your heart, you can feel these arrhythmias. And then when you focus on them more, you release more adrenaline, which can cause more. PVCs alone cannot hurt you Mm -hmm. if you have a structurally normal heart. This is all from my cardiologist because trust me, I've asked a million and two questions. Okay. Um, I, when my anxiety was at its worst... Uh, I had so many PVCs; it was ridiculous. Like probably, I think I was having like four thousand a day. And the only thing they do for you is, uh, oh, who's calling me? Hang on one second. That's okay. Let me pause it. Yeah. Um. And so the the treatment for the four thousand PVCs they caught, I was feeling so uncomfortable, thinking I'm about to die of a heart attack or something really dangerous. And yeah. my cardiologist was just like, "Nothing bad can happen." your heart is structurally okay, I can give you a beta blocker to make you feel more comfortable, but you don't have to take it. It's up to you. So a lot of this like arrhythmia stuff, I think it's all based on like what else you struggle with. And if you have a structurally normal heart and, um, based on your, and and then your comfort level. But the thing about PVCs is most people have them more Mm -hmm. people than, than not have them. And so, Uh, someone said, this question said, scared to Google and find out. But it's really nothing scary when you really look at it. It sounds scary. Eptopic beats sound really scary. There's a doctor, um, a cardiologist on YouTube called York Cardiology. Mm. Oh, he is amazing. If you have not watched his YouTube videos and you struggle with any type of like heart palpitation and anxiety, he breaks it down so, so good. And he just... Leaves you feeling peaceful. Yes, I think everybody should, if they're experiencing palpitations, should get it checked out. But once mm. they get cleared and they start, you know, re- yes. o- obsessing over like, oh, did they miss something? Blah, 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 like I right. did. Mm-hmm. No, they didn't miss anything. What you're feeling is it feels scary. Yeah. It really does. PVCs do not feel comfortable, but it can't hurt you. And yeah. so I really recommend if you've been cleared by a doctor to check out your cardiology on YouTube. Amazing guy.
0: Well, I'm so curious if that's. Um, I can imagine it is now, again, not a medical doctor, so I'm not um, providing any type of medical advice no. right now, or, you know, this is just what I've experienced within working with anxious people and be having anxiety myself is that um, that's. That's one of the most common physical symptoms when people have panic attacks and anxiety attacks is the heart racing and feeling mm-hmm. like, right? Like how many times have you heard people having panic attacks thinking they're having a heart attack?
1: Every Almost every single one right. because the adrenaline is going through your yeah. body. And when you have adrenaline without, so I'm not running, I'm not exercising, I'm not fleeing from an animal. I'm having this unwanted adrenaline in my body. It's going to do all the things as if you yeah. were running from a criminal, So when you're running from a criminal, yeah, your heart is going to race. your, you know, blood's going to thin, whatever, and that's going to cause your heart to race. So it's a normal feeling, quote unquote, normal for anxiety. But um, yeah, it's, I I don't think I've ever heard of a single person with anxiety who hasn't experienced heart racing.
0: Right. Totally. So it's so, so interesting. So do you feel like your husband is, is there any... I guess, is there anything the doctor said about like ways that he could keep his heart regulated and maybe not like make it, I don't know, like does, is there any connection between, you know, self-soothing or like doing the self, like nervous system regulation types of exercises, like things that we talk about with anxiety that helps anxiety that would also help that?
1: Well, he said if it's genetic, No. But he said living okay. a healthy lifestyle, so like diet, right. exercise, and, and self-care, like doing yeah. breathing exercises, all of that right. is so good for the heart. So it's kind of just like supporting yourself, yeah. even if you have something, even if you're listening to this and you have some type of genetic thing that you can't control, doing all the other things, this is what the cardiologist said, doing all the other things for your health can minimize that genetic
0: predisposition and make it really not that dangerous for you one hundred percent um that's what i was thinking and i yeah i'm well i'm sorry that he's going through that and i'm for anyone that's listening that knows someone because i know that my dad actually at the end of his life went through an eighth like that was he actually had to get he had a um what is it that they put in inside of a pacemaker Yes, he actually had to get yeah. a pacemaker for the last like eight months. And so that, that's pretty
1: common <clears throat> 70, 80, 60, 70, 80. It, not common, but it can happen. Yeah. Um you're and like when older. you're that age, you really just want, you know, blood thinners and then to monitor some people have to get a pacemaker, some people have anti rhythmic, but it's just like you don't want an older person to be in it.
0: Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So um, okay. Should we go to the next question? Yeah. Okay, um, so I loved I loved this question. Um, someone actually sent this through DMs, and it sounds like um, she really could could use his help. And I feel like we both have been through it. So um, she said, "Hi. First of all, I love your guys' podcast. It helped me so much with my health anxiety. I've been able to return to college and hang out with friends again. I wanted to suggest a question for this week's episode. The worst of my anxiety was when I was at home, and so now I've associated my home." which I normally love with my traumatic experience and anxiety. How can I learn to re-love my home, especially since I'm going back there after college? So this is so crazy because you think about like when you're triggered, right? And how there are certain environments that can trigger your anxiety or even like if did something traumatic did happen and It's so hard to um, detach from that association between Mm -hmm. like somewhere, whether it's your home or maybe it's like maybe it is someone at school or um, at work or something like that. You have certain environments that just are like triggering for you. And so it sounds like for her, she is, you know, her safe space is not safe for her anymore. So I know you were saying, Taylor, that you kind of went through this Mm -hmm. when – You know when you were going through your stuff with panic disorder so i'm curious like what your experience has been i uh, with me i feel like i don't have um i'm more like i know what like my happy spaces are and my triggering environments were really um something i that when my dad was going through all of his stuff the past couple years i still am sort of triggered by where he lived and stuff so I only would be able to go back there just recently. Um, but it's really, really hard to detach from those. And sometimes you do need a little bit of time, like not in that environment if you can. So I feel like for her, the person that's asking this, it's actually pretty good that she's back at school and she's in college and she's able to be around like some sense of normalcy with friends and like create her own life outside of where her home was. Um but I think it is going to be very important to kind of recognize a type of plan going back there. And f- I will say something if it is a home you have to be at. Like for me, it was where my dad lived, so I didn't need to be there all the time. If you can somehow create an environment there that is that you can change – like, can mm-hmm. you change anything about the environment, right? Like, if if it's something in your bedroom, like, can you move your furniture around? Can you, like, mm-hmm. throw some stuff out and get some new furniture, get some new bedding? Um, like, maybe, like, rearrange the furniture in, like, some of the other parts of the house or, like, something like that. Can you actually, like, move bed? Like, if you, I don't know if anyone's lucky enough, but if you can move bedrooms, like, can you sleep somewhere else? You know, like, I, I think just changing the environment around,
1: mm-hmm. I don't know.
0: Tell, what do you think?
1: I relate to her because I went through the same thing. Like I got hit with panic disorder when I was in college. So I was like driving home every weekend to mm-hmm. my parents. And luckily uh, my parents were living in a rental because they were building their house. And so I was going home to this rental. And then when I, I remember being like, I can't go back to school. Like my, my anxiety was just too bad for my senior year. Mm-hmm. And, um, I ended up having the courage to go because that was my safe place. That I, I remember thinking of that place as so safe. I felt so comfortable there. And then when I went back to college um and was all and started getting better, and then I would come back, uh I didn't like being there. But then my parents moved into their house. And then now when I drive past where they lived, I I literally associate that rental with like that's extreme panic in there. So I never wow. had to heal, but but I like what okay. you said. That would be what I do. I would okay. redo my whole room, change the colors, literally make it a whole new place. It's almost like a, a detox. Like this is yeah. a new place. This is a new start. I feel like going back into that room. I can almost like imagine it right now. I would be triggered. Where I? Oh was. my gosh!
0: Yeah, to- totally. Like I, think I literally that-
1: always look at it because I have to drive
0: past it a lot, and I'm really just like, that's the hey. panic house. <laughs> Isn't it so crazy how those same feelings can come back to you?
1: Yeah.
0: And that is, that is trauma, right? Like yeah. it doesn't matter how much time goes by. You still can like either go past something or you can be around a person or something. You can hear, hear something or see something, smell something, and that feeling comes back like it was yesterday. And so I think it's important to recognize, you know, what it is that makes you feel safe now. So hopefully you have kind of like a support system or, and you have a little bit of a toolkit of different strategies and, um, you know, exercises like self-soothing, ways to self-soothe. I mean, maybe I, you know, I'd suggest going to see a counselor and like working through some of this stuff, Um, but definitely being able to make the environment you're going back to safe again. And so what does that look like? Maybe changing things around, yeah. And and just creating a different environment with with your bed or like your furniture, stuff like that, I feel like can can maybe be really helpful. So but I loved that question because I feel like there's a lot of people that couldn't relate to that. They want to feel safe again in a place that was maybe traumatic for them. You know, what absolutely. I mean?
1: Absolutely, and then I think reminding yourself, like you know, you might go back home after college, and then mm-hmm. then you get your own place, and then you get to restart on your own, and yeah, and that's yeah. that's there's beauty in that, and then you'll look back on all the growth you had, and I think that's super important. But yeah, I was lucky enough to basically when college was over, move into my parents' new house. So I was just like, it don't was have a new to go back to that place. Yeah, it was it was new.
0: Yeah. Okay. You guys know my number one rule when you are feeling sick or you find something on your body that is looking scary, right? You all go to Dr. Google, okay? Listen, I've been there before. I'm sure we all have. Googling the is this normal question when we have like a red bump on our skin or if we have a headache for more than two hours. You've been stewing about a health problem so much that you almost resort to texting your group chat. To get your friends' opinions, right? You're extremely unlikely to find quality medical advice in your group chat, let's be honest, but you can find it from a doctor on ZocDoc. Thousands of medical professionals on ZocDoc are there to help you. They listen like a friend and give you the expert care you need. ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find end book doctors who are patient reviewed, take your insurance, are available when you need them, and treat almost every condition under the sun. ZocDoc is the site you can trust. No more Dr. Roulette or scouring the internet for questionable reviews. With ZocDoc, you have a trusted guide to connect you to your favorite doctor you haven't met yet. Millions of people use ZocDoc's free app to find and book a doctor in their neighborhood who is patient-reviewed and fits their needs and schedule just right. Book an appointment with a few taps in their app and start feeling better faster with ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com slash anxietychicks and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash anxietychicks. ZocDoc.com slash anxietychicks. Are you halfway listening to this ad? It's time to tune in. I want you to take a second to be mindful of how you feel right at this moment. Take a deep breath. What's at the top of your mind? If you're feeling stressed or anxious, I want you to keep listening so I can tell you about Calm. Calm helps you stress less, sleep more, and live a happier, healthier life. Their guided meditations, sleep stories, relaxing music tracks, and daily movement sessions are all designed to give you the tools to improve the way you feel. Over 100 million people around the world use Calm. Even if you've never meditated before, you'll get the support you need to reduce stress, improve focus, and uplift your mood. The sleep stories help you drift off quickly to recharge your brain, and they're also great for getting kids to calm their minds at night. So you can rest assured they're getting the sleep that they need. If you go to calm.com slash anxiety chicks, you'll get the special offer of 40% off a calm premium subscription and new content is added every week. So relax. Calm's got everything you need for a happier and healthier you. Calm is the number one app for sleep and meditation for a reason. I'm a huge fan of Matthew McConaughey, so when I heard that he was narrating a sleep story, I was so excited. Calm offers the perfect stories to help lull you to sleep and even offers tips and courses on how to meditate. Some classes for sleeping better, some for coping with anxiety, and even meditation courses for kids. For listeners of the show, Calm is offering an, an exclusive offer of 40% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash chicks. Go to calm.com slash chicks for 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library. That's calm.com slash chicks. What you got? Okay,
1: I love this one. um Okay, where did it go? Oh, how do you deal with cognitive distortions such as mind reading? What cognitive distortions do you struggle with or have struggled with the most? Oh my gosh. Okay, so
0: this is so fun
1: for me as a CBT I guess, person. Wait, I guess first explain what a cognitive distortion
0: is. Okay, yeah, yeah, actually, good. I also yes. love how aware this person is. I know. I'm so, <laughs> I've been, yes because that is such a CBT term, like cognitive yeah. distortions is such a CBT term. Um, a cognitive distortion is basically a type of thought that we have that is irrational and errored. um So, for example, mind reading is an example of one of them, which essentially means it's the thoughts that we have that um, make us feel like we can read other people's minds, like we know what they're thinking. And how that connects to anxiety is because we can go into a someone with social anxiety, for example, you go into a party and you automatically feel like nervous and that people are judging you and that, you know, someone in the corners is laughing and that person must be laughing at your outfit because they think you look stupid. You're basically thinking you can read other people's minds and what they're thinking in the room, which is completely irrational because you can't. <laughs> like, I don't care if you're the best psychic in the world. Like, no. Um so. So there's a whole bunch of different cognitive distortions. There's about like 15 of them in the CBT world that you can struggle with. Um, I could probably list them all off, but for the sake of purposes of this podcast. Did something just happen? Oh, I don't know. So there's a bunch of different type of cognitive distortions, but... um, so I'll go over the ones that I feel like I struggle with. And you guys can, um, you know, if you just Google cognitive distortion, CBT, you'll find that whole list. We could um, also DM me or you can find them on my page. <laughs> They're everywhere. Um, so the ones that I struggle with, though, definitely jumping to conclusions. So that's one of them. Um, catastrophizing which basically means it's always the worst case scenario. And I think a lot of people with health anxiety definitely catastrophize because it's like you see one thing on your body and you think you're going to die tomorrow, you know, or you feel something. It's like the catastrophizing is like. And then um, something I don't do as much but I I used to a lot is discounting the positives, which means I don't really – I have a really hard time acknowledging – um, the things I do well and to seeing the positive things in my life. I, this was, I'm a lot better at this now because I practice gratitude a lot, but a lot, and this is really, um, for people with depression too, this happens a lot is just seeing the negative, not being able to see any of, of the good that's going on or anything that's, um, it's just very, very negative. Um, so But the mind reading. So someone asked the question about the mind reading. What was the the Uh,
1: question? uh, How do you deal with cognitive distortions such
0: as mind reading? Such as mind reading. Okay. So like those are the ones. Do you you know which ones you do? Do you feel like? Fortune telling. Mm, Yeah. So that's like predicting the future.
1: Yes. Or like thinking you. Yeah. Thinking like things certain like even like sequences of things i mm-hmm. i like connect how the ending will be
0: it's so weird okay okay um so with mind reading um it can be you have you almost need to challenge any kind of thoughts that you have any distorted types of thoughts you have you first need to be very aware of when you're having them and where the when they're the strongest We have like 70,000 thoughts a day. And so our subconscious thoughts, we're not aware of, right? But a lot of those thoughts in our subconscious are the ones that create a lot of um, anxiety and can be very irrational. So you want to start by recognizing your thought patterns. And the best way to do that is by keeping a log, like a thought log or doing a brain dump. So if you do brain dumps, basically just writing out everything that's in your brain, like don't worry about punctuation or grammar, just literally five, 10 minutes, like free flow, just your thoughts. Try and look for patterns in your thoughts and and really recognize, are there certain times of day of the day when your thoughts are more intense, more intrusive? It's It's a longer process, but once you can become aware of the thoughts that you're having, and if you can recognize that, a lot of the thoughts you're having are trying to are are very judgmental and you're thinking like, is this person like saying this about me? You're trying to predict that you know what someone else is, is thinking about you. Once you can become aware of that, you need to kind of challenge that thinking. And this goes for all of the distortions, but for mind reading, since this person asked about mind reading, um... How to challenge those thoughts. And we have a, whole, a lot of episodes on CBT, so I'm not going to go too deep into it. You guys can go back and find um, find the episodes on that. But essentially challenging your thoughts is asking yourself certain questions in those moments. Like, is what I'm telling myself, is the thought right now that I'm having 1000% true? that this person, what are the facts to back? What are the facts? Like, what are the evidence? What evidence do I have? I walked into the party and the girl across the room was, um, was laughing really loud with a friend next to her. Okay. In my mind, I walk in, I think she's laughing because I look stupid or she's laughing at me. What evidence do I have for that? Um, well, I walked into the party and she was with her friend, she wasn't even looking at me. She was laughing with her friend about something. Um, she could, have like, I don't have evidence, right? Like she could have been laughing at a joke the person just told her, you know what I mean? Um, but in my mind, there's some insecurity about like what I'm wearing or like what I'm doing that makes me just my thought automatically go to this place that this person is, is laughing at me, right? And so, at that moment i need to remind myself and challenge that thought and say hey like how do i know this is how do i know she's laughing at me i don't i don't know she's laughing at me she could just be having fun and telling a joke to her friend you know so okay let's go about my let's go about my my time you know um so i would say just self awareness is huge trying to get those thoughts out there's a, a lot of different websites now that offer really good thought logs um that are great and i would say start there but you know this type of work is very complicated sometimes and it takes you know i've been doing cbt for a lot of different clients for a while and it doesn't always take a long time sometimes people grasp it really easily and they're able to kind of move through these intrusive thoughts pretty well throughout the day once they learn how to do it um but go back and listen to our episode i would say on cbt for sure absolutely Sorry, I totally just like took over that question. No, no, I loved it. That was perfect. Sorry, CBT's like you know my baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you want to do another one though, or do you want me to do one? Uh, I feel like I just took I just took that. No, no, no. Do the fourth one. Okay, okay. So, um, well, I, I let's do this one because then I, I feel like you can. Answer to this. Did either of you ever struggle with what your purpose is or your self-worth? I would say like, I still do.
1: Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Why would you say that, do you think? I think that sometimes I doubt myself and like my abilities. Like I don't realize, like sometimes I'll discount myself like, oh, you're too young. You're too, uh, you're, or if something like isn't going right, like, especially because you and I do social media. So it's really hard. It's like, oh, you're, you're losing followers. People don't like you. Or um, you're not growing fast enough. People don't like you. Uh, someone commented this and like, you're not doing enough to help people. And just those thoughts can make you feel like, oh, I'm not supposed to do this. Or what if I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Or what if I'm supposed to be doing more? I think it's just that uh, <laughs> kind of a cognitive distortion that takes over. And uh, yeah, it just makes you feel like you don't have purpose. I think finding purpose is leaning into what you're most passionate about and starting it as a hobby and don't look at it as a career and see where it takes you. I think a lot of people jump into things as a career. Like they're like, I'm going to be a full-blown influencer and I'm going to blah, blah, blah. And they like get their hopes up before giving it a chance authentically. Because I think when you start thinking super authentically and truly who you are and you show people who you are without wanting it to be a career or anything, that's where real growth happens. Yeah. I think when you start like panicking yourself about where you're supposed to be in life and I got to make this happen and those kind of
0: thoughts, you lose who you are in it. Totally. I actually love that response. I 100% agree because I was actually thinking of, you know, what when I was thinking about what is my purpose, a lot of times that relates back. You're good. It lost on my end, I think. It did. Mm -hmm. Okay, just right. Yeah, when I was reading this question about kind of thinking about my purpose, it totally in my mind related back to career, you know, because I think a lot of people think like, what's my purpose, you know, and it does go back to kind of what, do you feel like you're meant to do or, you know, and I love that you said that about finding what you're passionate about, because so many people, um, I mean, the, the jobs these days are so different than what it was, you know, 20, 30 years ago, because you can make really great money and do great work doing influencing and YouTube and stuff like that, but um, But there isn't really you're not like taking classes on that in grade school and high school. (laughs) You're not Mm -hmm. you know, you're not learning about how to do that. And and honestly, a lot of that type of those people that are very successful in doing that have to learn a lot about marketing and business and stuff like that, that you definitely is so important to do. Um, But I think that there's so many people that still get caught up in. Thinking that they have to do something based on what their parents tell them or like what they're pushed into from their family or maybe will like make a-
1: them the most money. And it's mm-hmm. like you can't you'll be so unhappy. And I think why we relate back to career when we say that purpose, because I mean, what do you spend majority of your time doing? Well, right. Yeah. Like during the day, you know, so I think that's why it's like, okay, if you're going to spend nine to five every day doing a job you absolutely hate because it makes you just great money
0: or it's what your parents told you, you won't ever feel like you have purpose. Totally. No, it's so true. I I mean, I I was there, too. I've been there where I was waking up and despising like just being, having to do whatever. And it was a lot of that, a lot of that had to do with environment too, not necessarily the work that I was doing, but you know, the type of people I was working with, I was just like, oh my gosh, no. But feeling, and that's like, I was feeling very lost too, because I was thinking, okay, I don't want to do like, I'm I'm not, I don't want to be a corporate person doing marketing and sales for the rest of my life i just that's not that's not what i feel passionate about is you know doing which i could have made a lot of money doing this sales thing i would have probably been traveling all the time i probably would have been working literally well i actually work all the time now but it doesn't feel like work because i love it yeah yeah exactly you know what i mean um if i had to do that all the time it would have felt like work and i would have been so unhappy and i guess that's another point of this right like Do you feel like what you do isn't work? It's just, it's, it's something you're, you enjoy, like you enjoy Not all the time. I mean, it still takes time and you still need to put effort into it. And, but does it, the the feeling, I feel more sure about what I'm doing in my life now than anything else. I mean, I know I was meant to kind of be on this path of healing to help people and spread awareness of mental health and, um, be a, be a therapist to really help people be their best selves. And I just feel if you can kind of say that about what you're doing, you know, do you feel like your best self when you're doing this? Not every single moment of the day, but yeah, is it like your passion? And if it's not, it's okay to explore that, you know, what is, Absolutely. what is your, what is your passion? And, um, you know, if you're in a place, not everybody's in a place where they can just be like, you know what? This isn't my passion. Let me just go explore because, you know, what's the reality of life? You have to make money, you know, to survive. So not everyone might be in there, but I will say if you can, if you, can, if you don't have this option to go just finding your passion and mm-hmm. quitting your job and just going to start whatever it is, try and find that outside of what you're doing now maybe maybe this maybe what you're doing and the career that you have and and even your lifestyle with like a family you know your family and you're just losing yourself a little bit take, make sure you prioritize yourself and take the time you need to explore who you are it doesn't it can be like a couple hours on a saturday you know like You deserve to have that time to just explore a little bit more about yourself. Maybe you want to, you know, start a, take a yoga class. You've never done it before. And you're like, I kind of always wanted to try that. Or, you know, I haven't seen this friend in a while. Or make sure that, you know, you're, you're, you prioritize yourself also. That's Mm -hmm. what I would say. Because self-worth is so tied into making sure that you can prioritize things that you love and working on loving yourself with the life that you have and really finding out what you are passionate about and what fulfills you, you know? Absolutely. I think that's a huge part of of life too, is finding like fulfillment in mm-hmm. things and not like, you know, clients that I see will always say, you know, like, I just want to be happy. Why am I just not happy? I just want to feel happy. And I, I always say, happiness is a temporary emotion feeling joy, happiness, sadness, every emotion is temporary. Mm-hmm. Like feeling scared, temporary. You can feel, you know, so worried. And then 10 minutes later, you're feeling joy, you know, feelings are temporary. What you want to look for is a feeling of like a contentment or fulfillment. Mm-hmm. Do you do you for the most part feel like fulfilled with your life? You know, what feeds into that? Like the people you're around, what you do, for the most part, you feel fulfilled. You know, you're not going to feel happy every single second of the day. But even in those in those dark spaces, can you kind of break out of that and still feel like, you know, I'm still grateful and I feel fulfilled with my life? I feel like that's kind of what I've been actually working on. But I feel like it's like a lifelong process.
1: <laughs> that was really good. That was very therapeutic. <laughs>
0: Well, you guys can send your checks too. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, that was my little philosophical statement of the day. Um, but yeah, we got so many good questions. I'm kind of so sad that we can't answer all of them. Mm-hmm. But well, join us uh,
1: in March. Wait, January, March. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> where? It's <are> we- <laughs> like, where February, am I? <laughs> you guys. It's February. Um, but yeah keep submitting your questions if we didn't get to it today submit it next month okay we will be doing our q a episodes we've been getting good feedback so we love it we have some great things coming up please like i'm so excited for the guests that we have coming up and we'll still be doing our pods together but um these were good today yes thank you guys see you next week all right well i won't allison will (laughs) oh yes i will be here next week we'll we'll be in, getting into some good things. So we will see I'll you guys get the soon. Super
1: Bowl. Later, guys. <laughs> yes, bye.
0: Seeking the Truth Never Gets Old. Introducing June's Journey, the free to play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends.